Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. In the programme this week, we look at the Kiwis' chances in the Four Nations Rugby League final, catch up with the All Blacks in Scotland, and preview the Black Sticks hockey series against Australia. We also check in with the Breakers newbie Reese Carter and hear from another Australian, Shane Warne, about poker, racing and cricket. The New Zealand Rugby League team play Australia in Saturday night's Four Nations final in Wellington. The Kangaroos have been hit by several disruptions in the lead-up to the match, while the Kiwis enter the final unbeaten and with home advantage. Why then are Australia still favourites? Joe Porter reports. Just a sea of ecstasy and jubilation as the Kiwis take it out. New Zealand's upset win in the 2010 Four Nations final was the last time they beat Australia until earlier this tournament. The Kiwis' victory three weeks ago, snapping an eight-game losing streak. With defending champions Australia fighting a virus that's forced them to quarantine five players, the Kangaroos coach Tim Sheens admits the hosts have a grand opportunity to take back the title. The medical staff are working over time to sort it out, so hopefully it won't be... Um, we're certainly confident that they'll play, but it's um, always a concern. The Kangaroos' preparation has been labelled a shambles by Ford, Greg Bird, with bedridden players and cancelled trainings just some of the misfortune to strike the Australians. Nonetheless, they've still been installed as favourites, a tag that clearly frustrates the Kangaroos' coach. I don't think anyone gave us much chance, and certainly after game one they gave us no chance. Uh, now we're fine, someone's saying we're a favourite again, I don't know how they figure that. How they win three games and we win two and they belt us first game. Um, but anyway, yeah, so be it. On the flip side, the Kiwis' build-up has been calm, controlled and conventional. They're the only unbeaten side in the Four Nations and comprehensively outplayed Australia in their round-robin match. Despite this, the Kiwis find themselves at outside odds to win, though utility Lewis Brown isn't irked by their lack of backing. Australia always seem to be the favourites. and you know, I've dealt with um, the underdog tag all year. We've been at the Panthers. You know, No one gave us a chance and uh, you know, that sat quite well with me. Um, I love being the underdog and um, you know, people, I love people writing you off. It's a, it's a good story. Brownsies, with their underdog status, belying those that suggest this Australian side will be easy to upset. The fact is that the Kiwis haven't beaten the Kangaroos twice in a row since the 1950s and have won just one of the last 15 Anzac Day tests. They were also put to the sword in last year's World Cup final. What a display of excellence by Australia here at Old Trafford. They haven't just won this match, they have marched through to a huge victory, 34 points to two. However, the New Zealand coach Stephen Kearney says he isn't concerned by history. It's a bit like, you know, the number of players that are out and you know, every other circumstance that's been thrown at us 
uh, this week and throughout the course of the tournament. You know, you know, we're not saying that. You know, our focus is once again on our preparation and making sure we get that right for performance on Saturday night. One difference this time is location. With tomorrow's title decider being played in Wellington, the Kiwis finally have home advantage for a major match. Something forward Martin Topo believes will have an impact on the result. There'll be a massive crowd. Uh, there'll be a lot of supporters out there. So I know the the Kiwis will get get up behind us and uh, support us. You think it'll give you an edge? 100%, 100%. Kiwis fans will be hoping Topo's prediction proves correct. The finalists for the IRB Rugby Player of the Year Award were announced this week, with two All Blacks, Brodie Retallick and Julian Severe, included in the five. 23-year-old Retallick has had a breakout season with New Zealand and in partnership with Sam Whitelock has made arguably the best second row in world rugby. The winger Severe continues a tremendous try-scoring rate. He is 10 so far this season and 29 in 31 tests. He's drawn comparisons to the all-black legend Joan Lomu. The other finalists are the Springbok fullback Willie LaRue and the number 8 Dwayne Vermeulen and the Ireland first five Jonathan Sexton. All-black's coach Steve Hansen was delighted for both of his players. I think it's great. I think both of them are well-deserving well of the nominations they've received. Um, Guzzler's been in outstanding form for us from a, you know, each week he, he seems to raise the bar and, and um, he's a young guy who's basically come into international rugby in his first season of, of professional rugby straight out of the Chiefs last year and you know, he's just taken off, he's now part of our leadership group um, playing particularly well and when he doesn't play uh, you know, we, we miss him and Julian's, you know, been nothing short of miraculous. He's, uh, his all-round game has improved massively. You know, once upon a time you'd say he's probably been a little bit suspect under the high ball. He's he's now safe as a church on fire there. He's uh, he scores tries, you know, all the time, and um, he he. Uh, He's got more than just one trick, you know, of uh, sheer pace. He can beat people, he can run over people, he can run around people. Uh, his work rate off the balls become very, very good. So, you know, both of them are well-deserving of the nomination. Kieran Reid won the IRB Player of the Year award last year, while Richie McCaw has won it three times and Dan Carter twice. The winner will be announced later this month. Meanwhile, James Parsons has completed his meteoric rise after being named to start for the All Blacks against Scotland this week. Parsons was meant to be on holiday in Europe with his wife, but an injury to Nathan Harris and a strong performance for the Barbarians led to the Blues hooker being called into the squad. He says he didn't expect to get the call-up. No, not really. I mean, you always hold on to the hope, but um, I suppose I, I knew the Barbars game was an opportunity to show what I've got at international level and felt I did that um, and obviously um, with Nathan's injury it gave me a chance and I knew they were watching that game so uh, it was good to be over here and you know it's also even better to be staying. Hard I guess at the Blues where you've also got Kevin there, you've got to keep chipping away, did you come to a point where you thought you might have to do something else, go play overseas or anything like that? No, nah, it's never come to my mind, obviously there's been opportunities but um, my heart lies in New Zealand and well, this is a dream and this is what I've always believed I'm capable of and you know, I've, I've held on to that dream whether others might have uh, not believed I can do it but I'm here now and you know, I'm relishing the opportunity and looking forward to Saturday. However, Parsons says it wasn't a hard decision to rearrange his travel plans. 
Uh, we're going to Paris and then we're catching up with my sister who lives in Dubai. So uh, happily put those on hold and um, they all supported me in that decision and you know, everyone's just stoked for me to be here. The missus, the missus wasn't so happy though, was she? No, she was wrapped, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll sort that out later. <laughs> What was that phone call like, talking to her and later talking to her back home? Uh, pretty emotional, obviously. Um, yeah, I've got a great support network in my family. Um, they're the ones that you know, have driven me and, and believed in me since since I was a wee boy. And you, know, you always say those silly dreams when you're young that you want to be an All Black. And my mum, my dad, and my sister and brother always told me I could do it. Um, so I grew up around that, and my my wife continued that journey with me from school and. Um, to finally be here, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a really proud moment. The All Blacks coaches have asked the hooker to bulk up, and he says his method for doing so is simple. <laughs> eat. <laughs> um, eat a hell of a lot. Um, and just train hard. You know, you've got to push the weights. and um, yeah, it's, it's a simple method. Uh, it's just eat and train hard, and it eventually comes on. How much weight have you put on? Uh, well, since I've been in here, probably another two or three kilos. Um, the, the nutrition's obviously provided um, pretty well and, and yeah, so looking forward to carrying that on Saturday. That's the new All Black, James Parsons. The New Zealand women's hockey team are gearing up for their last two campaigns of what's been a hectic year. After disappointing results at the World Cup and the Commonwealth Games, the Black Sticks have a three-test series against Australia before the Champions Trophy in Argentina at the end of the month. I spoke to the coach Mark Hager who says the side's in a transitional phase heading into the series. It's an interesting time. Both of us, both teams, have um, brought in new players for this series and uh, left some key key individuals out. So it'll be a, a good opportunity for, I suppose, a lot of players who haven't been given much of an opportunity over the last uh, 12 months to two years. And, you know, what? Uh, from our point of view, it's we, we want to see those players step up and show us that... Um, you know, they're able to handle, uh, but not just handle international hockey, but they really have an impact in games. I know in some of the recent series there's been a few problems in terms of finishing goals and things like that. How have you ad- addressed those uh, struggles? Uh, oh, look, a couple of them is, is positional changes. We've worked really hard also um, uh, the last few weeks in, in doing a lot of goal shooting. And to be honest, Alex, I don't expect it'll, it'll, it'll work um, straight away. It, it, it takes time and uh, you know, hopefully we'll pay the dividends in six to twelve months' time. But uh, we've moved. We're going to move Stacey Nicholson up the field. Um, Jordy Grant will also go from defender to back up into the attack. And uh, both of those are, uh, are normally very good goal scorers, but they also have the ability to set up um, goal scoring opportunities. So uh, we're hopeful that they'll they'll make a little bit of a difference to our team. It is a pretty new looking team. I guess there's a there's a couple that have been there for a while, but without Kayla there and a couple of other players like that. Do you feel like it is a bit of a transitional stage at the moment? Yeah, very much so. I mean, we're still probably finding our way and we see the next uh, probably six to seven months as a real opportunity to find out who's capable of playing this level, um, particularly as we we head into June, July next year, the the Olympic qualifier and then post that we've got a National Hockey League and, and then we pick our Olympic squad. So... By giving a lot of players an opportunity, um, hopefully that'll answer some questions for us. But it's also also around uh, about us uh, resting some players as well because we've had a huge year um, and, and we need 
to learn to play without those players also. Uh, so hopefully we, we can find out um, who are the right people to, to fill those the void for us, I suppose. And how would you sort of rate this year? I mean, there's been a lot of big peaks with the World Cup and Commonwealth Games. Overall, um, looking back at this point, what's your? How do you sort of reflect on it? Uh, well, it's an interesting one. It's 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 it probably in reflection on ourselves, the group. We we feel we we failed um, on the world stage. We you know we wanted to be in the final of the Commonwealth Games, and we end up winning a bronze medal. So you know you win your last game, so you sort of walk away. Um, feeling fairly content um, but it wasn't what we achieved the World Cup we didn't make the four and I know our girls were bitterly disappointed um, uh, for that uh, as well and we were so close but uh, as a coaching group we we look back and reflect and we've had nine changes since London Um, we've maintained our top four ranking in the world so uh, and and the main aim has been to build towards Rio so uh, yeah I think we're we're on track we're ahead of I, I feel where we were So keeping that in mind that you sort of are in transition, what are you sort of expecting out of this series against Australia and then the Champions Trophy? Uh, look, well, we, every game we go out to win. It's, it's, it's not about uh, who, whoever we put on the pitch. It's not about development, even though you have that in the back of your mind. It's a number one priority is we need to win and, and do the right things out on the field to make sure that those opportunities and we are coming away with good results. Um, uh, and, and the Champions Trophy is, yeah, look, we... we Again, it's about exposing some new players, uh, but we would still, again, like to finish in the top four. Um, and it's something that this group needs to start doing is, is we're getting close, but not quite close enough um, to be playing for medals. And, and that's, that's a really key focus for us. The first test against Australia is in Wellington on Saturday. The Breakers have picked up some much-needed momentum after their successful Sunshine Swing road trip, earning wins over the Kens Taipans and the Townsville Crocodiles. After a hectic start to the season, the North Shore-based club have worked their way to a 6-3 record to sit third on the NBL ladder. I caught up with the new guard, Reese Carter, before Friday's game against the Wollongong Hawks, and he says he's enjoying his time at the club. Yeah, definitely. Uh, everyone's feeling pretty good about uh, taking those two, but I think there's a pretty strong feeling that we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. I think, you know, we know that if we relax after these great wins and lose one, it doesn't mean anything. So uh, three home games in a row, we're just going to kind of keep it up uh, for a few more weeks and, and just sort of keep it rolling, but everyone's feeling pretty good. How important was that for you to start to get some some consistency as a team? Because it had been pretty scratchy and up and down up until now. Yeah, I mean, we started with sort of two wins, two losses, two wins, and then a loss. And then, you know, it looked like you could have gone another loss. So um, to turn that around and get two in a row on, on the one weekend, which we haven't won two in a weekend yet, we've been sort of splitting every double header. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a big thing for us because we're good enough on, on our day. We just haven't been focused and bought 100% every game. So to do it two times in a week, I think now we know we have to bring it every game. You think it's been a big adjustment adjusting to the shorter... Um, season and the more compact schedule, having to travel every week. I mean, for you, it's new anyway, but it's, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, 
yeah, it's it's something that you know you really have to manage your bodies and get on top of the recovery and and all this kind of stuff and, and just make sure that um, mentally you can stay in it as well. It's, it's it's as tough mentally to be able to travel and stay up mentally for these games and, and you really have to stay focused the whole time against every team. So um, I think we're making that adjustment as we go. We're getting more used to it and and like as I said, win a double on the weekend, both on the road. It's um, pretty big turning point if we can keep it going. Yeah, as you said, it would be nice now to just set yourself up at home and be able to get a bit of routine back in your life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We haven't had a um, sort of an off day at home or a weekend or anything like that, so, um, yeah, it'll be nice to just stay home, be around the family for a while and uh, and try and, yeah, get a bit of regularity back for a few weeks and then we're back into the road trips again. And for you, I mean, you've played a lot of places around the league. How have you sort of found your first first couple of months with this team? I mean, it's a great group of guys. I mean, that's you come here every day, every morning, and you've got sort of 15 guys around every day that are just great people. So that just makes everything, you know, everything else, uh, like the weather, uh, you know, irrelevant. <laughs> so, no, it's, uh, it's been great. Like I said, it's a great club from top to bottom, so it's good. And you enjoying that role that you're playing, working with the other two guards. You've got a nice little rotation going there. Yeah, it's you know it's great, and and for me it's sort of uh, I think it fits perfectly because I you know I can play and like to play a little bit of both guard spots, and um, obviously Corey and Seth are, are so different players and so good at what they do. I can just fit in with uh, whatever they're doing at the time, and um, and I think yeah we've got a good little rotation going. And, you know any any one of these guys can can be on on a certain day and so I can play more in another spot or, or not play as much and other games if those guys are tired or if I'm having a good game then you can play a little more and that's um, you know it's a perfect fit for our team and, and for me. And this is a club that sort of wants to be defensively minded and that, that seems to be something that you pride yourself in or watching you play you enjoy that end of the floor as well? Yeah I sort of I love that sort of if I get given a defensive challenge or something or like a role of to shut someone down and play someone I think that makes me um, kind of makes me raise my game a little bit and, and somehow I seem to have better offensive games when I've really got that tough defensive challenge and it, I think it really just gets me into it and gets my energy up and, and um, gets my focus up. And I guess if you go well on defence it tends to make things easier at the other end as well, you're getting more out uh, running and in transition and things? Definitely, yeah, it makes that chance to get out and run like we like to do and I think it's a bit of a confidence thing too, like oh, you know, you, you get some stops, you play good defence, you can get confidence out of that and feel good about yourself and then so you're going into your first shot already feeling good about yourself, it's much easier than just catching and shooting on your first touch, so it's, um, it's definitely uh, you know, something that I think all of us like to do and, and really get our energy and confidence from. And just looking at tomorrow night against the Hawks, you've got a desperate team coming into your building and you've got a bit of confidence now. How important is it to not not uh, get carried away with it? Oh, definitely. I mean, we know we went into Melbourne uh, and probably even Adelaide uh, against a team that was pretty down, pretty desperate, uh, and we were feeling pretty good about ourselves both times. Um, so you go in like that and any team in the league can beat you. So I think we know that they're going to come in desperate and, and we, we just can't get complacent. We have to make sure we bring the same energy focus we had last week and I think we can take care of it if we bring that. And sort of want to establish a sort of fortress style thing on your home court for the next few weeks as well because if you can get, get wins the next few weeks you'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah exactly, you know, our road records actually turned out really good for the first few weeks, you know, six on the road, four and two is great so we just have to make sure after these um, next three home games that we're you know, holding it down, we haven't lost at Vector yet so that's, um, you know, we've got to keep that going and and uh, you know, really get a good, like you said, a fortress at home where no one comes yeah. in and beats us.
The Australian cricket legend Shane Warne was in New Zealand this week attending the New Zealand Trotting Cup in Christchurch, playing some golf at some of the country's top courses and even a bit of poker, which he admits is his main job now. Warren spoke to media on his arrival, and most issues were covered, including the Cricket World Cup, Richie Benno, and of course, poker. I love my poker. I'm a professional poker player. I've been playing for the last seven years since I retired from cricket, so I, um, I absolutely love it. I just came 22nd in the World Series of Poker APAC that Melbourne won the rights to instead of Macau. So I got it pretty unlucky, actually. I got it all in with Ace King and against Ace Queen of the chip lead, and he spiked a queen, so that was a bit disappointing. Um, but to come 20th out of, I think there was 400 players from around the world, top players, um, was pretty good. So I, you know, I'm not very good at many things, but I'm good at some things and I'm good at reading people. So um, poker, you know, poker is very similar to cricket. You're long days. You start at midday and you finish at one in the morning. So it's 13-hour days. So you've got to be patient like cricket. You've got to read the players. You don't know about the 10 players that are sitting at your table. They could be... CEOs, they could be businessmen, they could be saved up for a year to play. They could have won a satellite tournament, could be their first ever tournament. They could be a pro that's, you know, just milking you. Um, so I find that the strategy and tactics of it really interesting. Um, and tournament poker, there's a, it's a game of skill. Cash games and all that sort of stuff, that's a bit different. I'm not really into that stuff, but I like the tournament play because I like the skill element of it and the... You know, the, the real strategy of it, you know, who, who to pick on, who not to, who to stay away from, um, how to extract their chips from them. You know, you all put in the same amount of money, you all get chips. So if you put, all put in $100, you all get the same amount of chips and so whoever gets all the chips at the end. That's how a tournament works. So there's a real, you've got to protect your chips and know the right timing of things. It's like setting a batsman up for stuff. So I, I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Are the uh, sledging levels similar? Or? Um, yes, they can be. Depends on where you play. So when you play in America, uh, it's pretty good because you have a fair bit of anonymity when you go to America, except if you have someone that knows cricket. And then, and because I've got like ShaneWarn.com and patches all over me, they sit there Googling you. And they go, oh, I used to date Elizabeth Hurley. All this sort of rubbish and all that sort of stuff. So, um, Or they Google you and they find out other things and they start trying to sledge you, these Americans. So I, I, I sort of hold my own. Yeah, I think that I think Australia and South Africa are probably the favourites um, to win the World Cup. There's one two in the world, but I think New Zealand. You know, we we're speaking yesterday. We launched the Channel Nine um, summer last, yesterday. We launched it all. And we we're all talking about it. And Bill Laurie said, he said, you know, to me, I think New Zealand are the dark horses to win it. And as soon as he said that, we also thought, geez, we look at the New Zealand team, and they've got a, they've got a good young side, they've got some dangerous players, they've got some match winners in, you know, Baz McCullum's a sensational player. So I think, and also playing in their home conditions, I think New Zealand are the, a real good, real good chance, actually. I think they are. You know, they're playing a lot of games here in New Zealand as well. They've got a good side, they're well led by McCullum. Vittori back, you know, any time you've got Dan back, it's always nice. Um, so, yeah, I think that experience will help having him back too. So I, I think Australia South Africa are probably favourites, and my dark horse would be New Zealand to, um, to take it down. Um, and I suppose it's always hard to write off India with their batting. If they fire, they could, they could mix it up as well. So, yeah, I think they're probably my top four sides. Someone like Ben Toy, do you, do, you think, do you see him being really instrumental in New Zealand being dark horse? Oh, 100%. You know, I think New Zealand like that 
sort of being the dark horses. They don't like to be up there as the favourites. They like to just sort of be in the background and sneak up on people. And you know, they've performed very well in World Cups. They've always generally made the finals. I uh, haven't gone that extra step to make the final or win a final, but um, I think they've got a real good chance this year. It's a long time. I think for Australia and New Zealand, we're pretty proud to have the World Cup too. It's been was it 22 years or something, 92, um, nearly 23 years. So. You know, I think both Australia performed poorly in that World Cup 92 as well, and uh, New Zealand did well, but I think they're probably they're two proud nations that will want to do well, so I think they both t both countries will play well. I, as I said, I think Australia and South Africa are probably favourites as one, two. I think, you know, when you look at Michael Clark, Mitchell Johnson, David Warner, Shane Watson, I think they've got a lot of match winners in their side. And I think South Africa are the same. You know, Stain, Morkel... Uh, De Villiers, they've got so many good players too. So I think if they both those teams fire, it's going to be hard to beat them. That's why I'm saying they're favourites. But I'm saying New Zealand, as Bill said yesterday, I hadn't really thought of New Zealand too much um, about the World Cup until Bill said it yesterday. He said, I think New Zealand can win it. And I went, and we all sort of sat at table, myself, Mark Taylor, Ian Healy, Slater. We all, when we were launching the cricket, we thought, geez, you know what? New Zealand got a good side in one day. They're well led by McCullum. They're playing the home conditions, yeah. I reckon they're the, the dark horses that could sneak up on everyone. How much of an advantage is it playing most of those games at home? I think when you're playing at home, there's an expectation. You know, there's always an expectation for the home nation to do really well. So I think it's how the players handle those expectations, um, whether they can just go out and perform the way they have been playing. And they can play... Um, yeah, you know, the outside influence that sometimes comes, whether it be the media, whether it be the fans, whether it be the public, everyone sort of saying, come on, we can do this, because they get passionate. Your head leads that expectations. you've got to do well in your home country. And, and you know, as a rule, most of the home countries haven't done that well in World Cups. But I think Australia and New Zealand, well, New Zealand did well last time I was in New Zealand, but Australia have learned a lot since then. And I think there's a lot of the guys have spoken to the players that played in those World Cup. Then I was around that time. I just started Test Cricket. Um... And I just missed out on the World Cup in 92. But it was uh, there's a lot to learn from where Australia went wrong then, and I think they have. And if you look at Australia's record in World Cups over the since then, they've played pretty well. Uh, we lost in 96, won in 99, won 2003, won 2007. Um, so the Australian players played pretty well in World Cups in the big stage. Yeah, look, it was... He's such a great man, Richie. He's been unbelievable to me um, from a personal point of view. Late 80s when I first met Richie and as sort of the, the guru of leg spin bowling and all cricket matters, he was, um, he's been very, very good to me. With, t with commentary on the cricket, he's been very good to me in helping me, him and Kerry Packer. Um, you know, 1993 when I started at Channel 9 about how to commentate, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm very good at it but um, I try to learn off the best and that was Richie and Kerry and they said you know everyone can see the pictures don't tell them what they can see tell them why things are happening and um, Richie tells me not to talk too much but sometimes I do um, but yeah no he's been a fantastic man and just to see him you know I think we're uh, I think a few of us are a little bit shocked by seeing Richie yesterday but also very happy that we saw Richie yesterday too and um I was shocked by, I mean, you know, he's got skin cancer, he's fighting that. Um, yeah, so it was, it was, you know, he's 84 years old. You know, he's, so it was great to, great to see Richie. It's good to, he was in pretty good form and we wish him all the best because he's a great man. And um, it's great he's up in the morning, he's walking um, with Daphne and he's doing some good things. So 
it's great to see him up and about, which is really nice because he's a wonderful human being. He's been good to all of us, and he, I, you know, whatever country he goes to, he's the man. He's um, he's Mr. Cricket. He's the voice of cricket all over the world, and everyone respects him. And no matter what country, and he's a great Australian. And you know, we wish him all the best. That's the show for this week. Your feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz while you can catch the latest sport news anytime on our website. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves and we'll be back with more Extra Time next week. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.